Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Six Degrees of Associations. Uh, joining me today is Camille Sanders. She is the Director of Marketing and Membership at the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases. Uh, another mouthful. Welcome to Associations. We should just shorten everything to acronyms, but I know not everybody's in tune yet with the 80,000 acronyms that are out there. So welcome to the show, Camille. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Lucas. Our pleasure. I wanted to kick it off today, um, you know, looking through your resume, you've spent a good part of your career outside of a little stint in radio, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. We maybe we'll get to that later um, within associations and specifically membership and marketing. I thought maybe you could tell us just a little bit about what what keeps drawing you back into associations and membership and what's the you know, what's the draw? Yeah, for sure. Um, I really, I started with associations, uh, I like to say from the ground up, you know, I very early in my career, I answered phones um, in a customer service center. So um, it's definitely been, a, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's been a journey. Um, and I have had the opportunity to wear many hats. But like you said, you know, I've always come back to marketing and membership. And I think what does it for me is really serving members. Um, it's it's about the value that associations provide to their constituencies um, that help enrich their lives professionally, sometimes personally through the relationships and connections that we build. And just being a part of that and, um, you know, a stop on the journey of our members has been very fulfilling for me over the years. Yeah. So I mentioned, I, I too could have cut my teeth and, and found associations. I was in real estate and um, came over and found a role um, working with members specifically on affinity programs, right? So I, yes. my, my role in there was, it was, I should say it was the, um, it was sort of the softest sell of all time, right? I'm calling <laughs> you to tell you about all these great benefits because you've become and paid dues to become a member. And this is a way you can just add more value. Yeah. And so it was just that that drew me in too. It was like the, the, the connection and being able to add value and, and supplement. Um, so that's it's interesting. I, I also just started picking up the phone and talking to people and, and fell in love. But um, it's changed. That was 20 plus years ago, I would say. Um, and I'm curious to hear, you know, how have you seen changes in membership and marketing? And what are we doing today that you see that we're not doing 10 years ago? And, and, you know, what does that sort of lead us into the future and looking at? Yeah, I love that question. And I think it's such an important question to ask. Um, you know, you're right. Uh, I would say, you know, I started my I career, cut my teeth with associations, um, you know, back in the late 90s. So obviously, I was a baby when I started. <laughs> Teenagers yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You know, it was a time where associations had a, a really, I think, unique value proposition because, you know, the the Internet was there, but it wasn't as nearly, of course, as prevalent as it is now. Right. Finding access to information was nowhere near as easy as it is now. And so um, associations, I think, at that time were really seen as a necessity um, to move forward in your career. Like you needed to build the community. You needed to be a part um, of the networking that came from belonging to your um, professions society. Yeah, and, um, and I think it's still a necessity today. It's just that people are doing it differently, right? So there are different needs. There are different interests. 
And there are different ways that people want to connect with associations. So I think that's something that we're doing differently is we're finding ways to build community and connections in the way, not that the association thinks people should connect, but the, we're listening more, I think, to our members and to the needs of the members. And we're, we are accommodating those. Um, the pandemic was a really great example of that. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were for a brief period, not able to have as many or any in some cases in-person meetings. And we saw that, hey, there's an opportunity and we want to do this virtually, right? We need to do this virtually. And, you know, for, for most of us who are association professionals, we had hoped that this would be sort of a short-term thing that we get to, you know, back to mm -hmm. in person in the future. So we kept but pushing our, those meetings just a couple of weeks to a couple yeah, of months and come on. Yeah. And, and our members have really responded in many cases and told us that, you know, while we do want to get back to in-person, while we do want to engage each other, we miss each other. We miss that in-person community. We don't want to totally give up virtual options either because because, you know, sometimes there are challenges with getting an employer to pay for, for someone to travel yeah, yeah. and they still want that content and connection. So I think the listening um, and, and responsiveness of associations is something that we're doing differently. And we're incorporating technology into um, these new endeavors and our new ways of doing business, which I think is, is super exciting. And in terms of marketing, um, I think we're finding new ways to reach people. You know, the stalwart had been, you know, direct mail and, you know, and then we progressed to email and then, you know, do you, like do you still send direct mail? Is that a thing? Well, yeah, direct mail is not dead and all That's the marketing right. professionals out here will be so happy to hear me say <laughs> that because it's not. Um, I think if anything, um, it's still around and I think it's a viable channel because there is so much noise um, that people are dealing with. Um, I don't know about you, but I sometimes get hundreds of emails a day, depending oh, on yeah, what's oh, going yeah. on. Um, and that's, you know, between both my personal account, my work account, and I'm juggling, I have multiple personal accounts and, you know, and I belong to different associations. So sometimes I'm getting communications from all of the associations on different um, accounts. Yeah. So I think direct mail is really um, an intriguing way. I think revitalizing that communication channel is an intriguing way of connecting or reconnecting with your members in a different way that helps cut through the clutter. So Direct I, mail I, is exciting. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, same. I get hundreds of emails a day. Um, yeah. I get a handful of, of letters in the mail a day. Half of them yeah. are bills. The other half are, you know, credit card companies wanting me to sign <laughs> up for one of the different organizations or me personally. And I don't know how much money MX spends. I hope it's worth it, but I mean, yeah. they send these big elaborate things, but it's exciting yeah. and, it, and it stands out. I'm glad you mentioned uh, direct mail because it isn't dead and that could yeah. be a really engaging way. Maybe you don't send something every month. I get it. It gets expensive. Yeah. Um, but with all of the technology, as you mentioned, and all of the advances in data, we should be able to really create targeted, much more targeted messages. So let's, let's revisit that. But how do we, you know, how can we layer in some of these advancements again in the technology. Yeah. So such an exciting topic. I, I won't even go down that rabbit hole because we could, I could stay on that one all day. Um, uh, you, know, yeah. you did mention something. So going back, right. The, the, the pandemic stripped away a lot of the in-person mm -hmm. stuff, which I think is still a big component and mm -hmm. a, a reason that a lot of members join. And mm -hmm. it makes me kind of cringe a little bit when associations even mention the idea of well, we can do without these live events during COVID. Mm -hmm. Let's just continue down this path. And I thought, eh, hit the brakes. No, mm -hmm. just pause it. I, I get it. It's not the thing. But um, 
one of the things we talked about for the show um, before was the career center aspect, which I've found just in recruiting staff, right? For example, it's difficult, right? You can go to Monster and Ladders and ZipRecruiter and all these other things. But for, for me specifically within our organizations, if we want to fill roles with association, we go to association-specific targeted job boards, right? We go to ASAE and we post roles there. Yeah. And I have to imagine the, the same thing must happen within your associations that you've worked for. And you've, you've done some career building. I, you just mm -hmm. talk about that for a bit and, and the value yeah. that you've seen that add. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, if you are looking for a specific type of talent, um, that association career centers are the way to go. Um, you know, I'm going to put in a big plug for ASAE's career center. Um, I personally have located, um, you know, several jobs over the course of my career through that career center. Um, so I think it's a big value add to associations in general, but even associations that, um, you know, want to serve their members through career centers. I think it's a smart investment. There are so many platforms out now and mm -hmm. vendors who offer opportunities to go in with little to no investment down um, for it. And, you know, you're just transitioning into um, a new platform. And that's really how I started years ago. I was working for uh, the American Association of Pharmaceutical Scientists, and I was um, the senior marketing specialist there. So really in my role, I was responsible for marketing events. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, small workshops, um, you know, regional conferences, things along those lines. And, um, you know, my boss at the time came to me and said, hey, you know, the career center is coming under our portfolio. I'd like you to run it. And I'm looking <laughs> at him and thinking, what? You know, <laughs> you have to start somewhere. Yeah, Jump in. I've never done that before. Um, and he's, you know, he said, I know you can do it because we'd had really sort of a blog. It was, it was, you know, it was like, yeah. a, this was maybe the, I want to say this was maybe 2006 um, okay. that, you know, we kind of had a blog and um, where people could post ads. There was no rhyme or reason to it. There was really no searchability. You just kept scrolling until you found something. Um, and we started working um, with a vendor. You know, I won't, I won't name the vendor. I won't put a plug in for anyone in specific. Your choice. Can, I mean, uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that yeah, that, that is the six degrees of association. If you want to plug somebody, it's a, you're yeah, welcome to, but your yeah, choice. Sure. Well, we started working with uh, Nailer. Um, well, it was at the time it was Boxwood. Now it's Nailer. Um, but we started working with them um, and I oversaw uh, the process of transitioning all of our content from that blog into an online career center and then really sort of building that out into what our association needed, um, you know, putting resources on there and um, and eventually building um, a whole career services program around that platform. So it wasn't just the job board. It became, right. um, you know, professional development programming, virtual career fairs, um, you know, really things that people could touch. We even did a magazine supplement around careers. Um, that was once a once a quarter thing that we packaged right. with our news magazine. Yes, yeah, so it was a really robust program. And it grew um, into a real non-dues revenue generator for that association. So I think, you know, and that was a long time ago, but I think there are still opportunities, plenty of them in that space for associations today. And I would encourage um, associations who don't have online career centers to really consider that as an option um, to serve their members. One, um, because it does allow your members a forum to post their, their opportunities and it's a right. real pipeline builder um, for the profession. 
but also it's a non-dues revenue generator for the association. And if you build it, I'm a firm believer, you know, going to mm-hmm. borrow a line from that. You build it, they will come. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do believe that if you build it and you build it correctly and you build it with smart technology, they will come. Um, you know, so right. I think there's tremendous opportunity there. Yeah. The other, the other thing I was thinking about recently was a benefit of the job board that maybe doesn't get highlighted as much because it is it can be a very powerful non-dues revenue generator. If, if, if you don't know, you need to find out, right? Go, there's something, go check it out and, and how that works. And there's lots of people that are willing to talk to you and explain that piece. The other piece, though, that I've seen is you can go into your associations, your industry's career board, and you can identify titles that just didn't exist five or 10 years ago. And it's rapidly increasing, right? I mean, there's statistics out there where they will say something like uh, 40% of the people that are born today in in 30 years will have titles that just don't exist today, right? So I got to thinking like, wow. And, and the same thing happened 10 years ago. So you could go in there and, and start to see what type of titles and roles are being created in the industry that you may not have known about. And you go... Oh, I have somebody doing part of that role, but that is a full-time role. And so you could start to identify trends within your own industry. And once you get a little taste of that and you've utilized that, which I've done as well, like creating roles that aren't traditional, but very much needed. It's like something you're thinking about, but haven't really put a name to it. And then once you put a name to it, it actually becomes more attractive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would also add to that, um, Lucas, I think that's a terrific point about the different ways you can use the data that exists there. Um, You can definitely export a lot of data from the center. Um, One of the things that I love doing is, you know, because people don't have to be a member in order to use uh, our career center at AASLD, obviously, you know, they get a discount, you know, there's some incentive for uh, for being a member, you know, obviously you want to make that attractive. But um, but it, we don't limit it only to members. So a lot of times we're also getting job seekers in the larger liver community who are coming to our board and um, you know looking for opportunities. We're able to capture their information, and then we're able to really utilize those contacts in our other marketing. So there's really some cross promotional opportunity there for associations as well. And I know. Um, you know, our association, I don't think is unique in this sense, is that we're always looking to build our prospect list, our pipeline of contacts so that we can tell yeah. you about our meetings and all the other great things that we're doing. Um, and the Career Center is an often overlooked um, pipeline for those types of leads. Absolutely. And you've sort of opened the can of the great debate, I would say, of what do you give away versus what do you, you know, mm-hmm. include behind the firewall? I mean, if you look through, you know, current current place where you are and, and maybe some of your past roles, what are some of those things that you found to be successfully given away that are good sort of carrots to wave out there that that have been of value for bringing people in? I mean, I we didn't talk about that. I'm just curious. Yeah, sure. I think um, it depends on the society, um, mm-hmm. you know. White papers is certainly something that we've seen success with um, at different associations I've been with in the past, but mostly those are scientific um, societies um, where, you know, a white paper will be developed on a particular topic and, um, you know, we can put it behind a member wall and, um, you know, and really give people access. You know, we might open up access to that. Or we might run a membership campaign where access to this emerging topic information 
is included um, as an incentive uh, if if a person signs up to become a member. So I think um, you know information is is what people want. Information is the premium these days, um, and we see that uh, you know through the use of Google and and other. Um, you know, search engines is that people are always looking for information. And so associations right now, I feel like our challenge in the contribution that we bring is to be able to deliver the information that people are looking for around their profession in a unique way. And I think um, finding creative ways to call that content and package it for our memberships, um, I think is going to be something that is going to continue to be a conversation in the future. I think white papers is a way to do it. Yeah. I think, you know, podcasts, um, you know, early access to podcasts is a way to do it. Um, you know, just it, it's there are so many opportunities. Um, I think, you know, I could go down a rabbit hole on that, but there are lots of opportunities there. And I like that you, you um, mentioned the creativeness, right? I, I think that's the mm-hmm. one thing that you can't get from uh from just Google, right? Or yeah, Chat GPT sure. or something, right? They can regurgitate yeah. information that's been out there. But once it's out there, it's kind of old, right? It's like your website, mm-hmm. you put out a new website and the minute you put it out, you need to start working on the next iteration. But the creativity that comes from the industry, and I'm not trying to plug podcasts necessarily, but that's one that's it's live in real time. We're having mm-hmm. people people's thoughts and actions and historical experiences shared through those platforms. And so I would, are, there's, there's plenty of quantitative metrics that you could get if you just want to be part of an industry, right? If you're in the real estate industry, you can go out there and, and find MLS data, you know, mm-hmm. through some channels and housing market data that people have posted. If you're in the medical field, there are, mm, whether you believe they're trustworthy or not, there are some on the internet that, that will give you some data. And I think, but the interpretation of that data and the creativity around how it's being used and developed, that seems to me one big value of being in any association. And you could sort of blanket that across any industry. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, so switching gears, I, I, I'm curious to um, hear a little bit about what's coming up in this year that you're excited mm-hmm. about, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening in your, in your life, in your association role, like, what are things that you're looking forward to, you know, this year? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, ASLD is doing um, some amazing things right now. I think, you know, we've had an exciting year, I think, as an organization. Um, we have been undergoing a digital transformation, which for us has included a new website. It's included a new um, platform for a uh, recently developed mentoring program that we're piloting. It has, um, you know, included an AMS conversion. So we've been, yeah, we've been very busy. <laughs> yeah, we've been very busy at ASLD. Wow. Um, yeah, but these are all things that that we have done and are doing to the benefit of our membership. Um, it's all about serving the members, um, current and future, frankly. Um, and, and all of these technology platforms and uh, these advancements are helping us to find new ways to do that. Um, innovative ways, creative ways, as you just said, to do that. So I think that's something that's really exciting, both for me and the organization. Obviously, these things have an impact on membership and marketing, um, the way that we're able to do business. Um, We're now working with um, Feather um, for uh, our digital marketing, our paid media campaign. So we're able to do to sort of own more of that internally 
and um, push out the types of campaigns that we want to see immediately make pivots if, you know, messaging needs to be tweaked a bit. Um, so we're doing some exciting things. And I think the best is still yet to come, frankly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the technology piece keeps advancing and we could talk about that for days as well. <laughs> One thing, you know, I'm curious with all of these different platforms, historically, the the integration has been the biggest challenge, right? And you don't want to get <laughs> sold on a platform that doesn't integrate because you'll you'll spend 12 months trying to do it. And then you'll look back and go, you know what? I really am not where I am. And um, yeah. what has been your experience with all those platforms in, in your role? And, and you know, what advice would you give anybody that's that's getting ready to go down that track? Because yeah, you've done it a sure. couple of times and you've probably <laughs> got some successes and maybe a few scars and like we yeah. all do. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, being a membership uh, and marketing director, heavier on the membership side um, around the platform conversion. I think we deal with a lot of that um, more frequently than um, than many programs do. Um, I certainly have had my fair share of um, conversions that I've been a part of, particularly around association management systems. Um, for those who are not familiar, I used the term earlier, AMS, and that's, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what I meant, guys, if you're listening, you're wondering, what? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for people who are not in membership um, and what really sort of don't know that te terminology. Um, but one of the things that I would say is really, you know, involve your stakeholders, involve your members in that process before the organization decides on a platform, because you know, ultimately the platform will, I think if it's done right, it will help you do business better. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to really take a look at the way that the association is doing business or processes internally and find ways to streamline things where you can, um, obviously to document processes, um, you know, for future, you know, for current and future employees. So I think um, these conversions always, um, present unique opportunities in that regard. But I think it's really important to have stakeholder buy-in so that you're listening to the members and what they need both now and figuring out what they are going to need in the future so that, um, as you said, you're not getting into a platform with only today in mind. Right. And then, you know, three to five years down the road, it no longer fits and you have to go through, you know, um, this big, big expensive project all over again. So I think internal stakeholder feedback is important. External stakeholder feedback is important. And then obviously just finding the right fit, you know, figuring out as an association where you want to go and what are the things that you want to be able to deliver on in your business processes and um, finding a platform that that suits those needs, but that will also yep. grow with you. Um, I think that's important as well. I agree. It's a big decision, right? It, yeah. There's a lot of resources that go into it. The staff internally, externally, as you mentioned, will spend a ton of time, as you know, mm -hmm. implementing, vetting. And I, I think of like the the adage when you're looking for staff, right? Hire, hire slow. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing should go for an AMS, like onboard and vet slowly. Oh, yes. over vet if you have yes. to. Yes. Um, but I really like what you said about getting the members involved in that decision. Like how mm -hmm. how do you specifically or how have you incorporated member feedback and and how does that how does that help in the decision making process yeah for sure um well you know we just went through a process at ASLD um you know where our member committees um obviously were stakeholders and they weighed in on uh the platform and its functionality and 
um, you know, things that they would like to see on the user, you know, side, mm-hmm. the user interface. So that was helpful. Um, but also in my previous um, role at the Water Environment Federation, I was director of membership there as well. And we went through an AMS conversion during my time there. And, um, you know, it was... It, the Water Environment Federation is a federation structure. So, you know, mm-hmm. layers, right? So we not only have our individual members, but we also have, um, you know, local member associations that are state-based um, or province-based. Um, and they sometimes have their own members that are not WEF members. And they sometimes have, we have joint members together yeah, as yeah. well. So it was particularly important to get stakeholder feedback in that instance where you have chapters or regional associations that in some cases will need to use this technology to um, pull data from for their own membership purposes. Um, and you'll need to share information because obviously, you know, if you're collecting dues for them and you need to make payments out to them for that, um, you know, everybody needs to be on the same page about what works and what's needed. Um, so yeah. in that process, we had a number of focus groups, um, you know, that participated um, and, you know, as we became aware of platforms and the staff that it platforms, the member associations also had an opportunity to review um, when we got down to the, the final few um, that we thought were really contenders. Um, they had an opportunity to vet and weigh in and provide feedback. And also did they did surveys. They gave us surveys on the yeah. things that they need needed, the things that they felt they were lacking, the technology that would have been helpful to them as they were running membership campaigns of their own um, and even trying to retain their members. And all of that helped us put together um, a useful uh, and design a useful platform that um, that helped both our regional associations and the headquarters group. Were you were you surprised by any of the feedback? Did anything come back from the member side and go, wow, we never, never, that wasn't really a consideration, but that's just valuable? Well, I think, you know, I think as staff, we had a unique insight into some of, and we, we felt like we knew, had a good finger on the pulse of what some of the issues were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, prior to our AMS conversion, um, there were, you know, the monthly payments, you know, out to our regional associations um, could be a pain point. It was a lengthy process for someone who was, you know, doing the reconciliations in-house. And one of the things that we heard from um, our, our regional associations was that they wanted that to be a smoother process, right? They wanted to be able to get reports on what they were owed um, you know, more quickly and yeah, right, right. Um, who who could disagree with yeah, that? Who, who doesn't um, want the data, right? <laughs> right. So they wanted that information a little quick, more quickly. Um, they wanted it to be easier to retrieve it from our system. So those were things that we knew were pain points, but um, it was nice to have that validated by the members. So it wasn't so much, um, you know, anecdotal feedback on our our part. And I think that's where the surveys come in in those processes and the focus groups come in um, in those processes because you're really able to move forward with a data-driven approach and not just staff anecdotes. Um, right. And I think that's that's really important because even as you roll out new systems, and I know you know this, Lucas, as you roll out new systems, um, you know, it takes time to get buy-in and people will say, why did we do this? Oh gosh, this wasn't a great idea. Why, you know? And you'll you'll hear some of that, but it's always useful. And the squeaky to be, wheel. Yeah, know. and yeah, but it's always useful to be able to go back to the data and and draw on what members asked for and and point to how you delivered. So 
um, I think the data-driven approach is the only way to go, um, especially when you're doing systems conversions. Yeah. At, at a high level, when we talk about that, maybe maybe the, the first filter has become, how do we make it easier? How do we make mm -hmm. it faster? How do we make it a now, right? Because that yeah. is that is the culture we live in. Give yeah. it to me yesterday. I yeah. want it easy and I want it on my phone. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's that is very true. Um, that is what social media has trained us to do. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. Well, you wear membership and marketing, which um, that's a big role, right? I, it's almost two roles and you're, you're tackling yeah. both. And within each of those roles, you know, there's eight to 10 probably hats that you wear or things that kind of hang off of those roles. That's a lot, right? And, yeah. and you have to constantly in that role, um, I've been there, sort of understand what's the priority uh, mm -hmm. and you, you lead a team. Mm -hmm. And so you, on top of all of the duties that you have, you also first and foremost have a team. So how do you decide what is the best use of your time and where have you seen that pay off and, and, and sort of validate that this is where I need to be spending my time in this specific role? Yeah. So I think that in terms of determining what the best use of my time is, I really lean um, toward the leadership of my executive team member for that, right? Um, she is going to, and I report to the vice president of marketing and communications. So she's going to naturally have a finger on the pulse of, you know, what the strategic priorities are um, from, you know, a board standpoint um, and making sure her job is really to ensure that we are staying um, aligned with the strategic plan and that mm -hmm. that is moving forward. Um, so I really work very closely with her to determine um, you know, where the team should be spending our time, what the best investment of that time is. And I think, you know, the the uh, success of the team moving forward in a strategic way really rests on on her shoulders as the vice president of the group. Um, so I take my cues from her. Um, obviously, I um, have my own preference in terms of where I think, you know, my time is best spent. And for me, um, it, you know, that has been incredibly rewarding to invest in my staff. I supervise um, directly four people on uh, the team. I have a membership manager and then the other three staff are on the marketing side. So there's a senior marketing manager, a social media marketing manager, and also a marketing coordinator. There's, um, an, there's a new, another new position that wasn't yeah. around, you know, 15, <laughs> 20 years ago. For sure. Who had a social media manager in 2000? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's still, you know, and it's still a really rare position today. Not not every organization is able to allocate those resources. Usually it's folded um, into someone else's role, you know, and it's sort of a catch all. But um, but we have been fortunate that we have been able to allocate for that. Um, and it's a, it's been a real value. Add. But again, we could go down the rabbit hole of that. Um, so that but that being said, um, I think investing in my staff has been uh, what I have viewed as the best use of time. I really enjoy mentoring and coaching and uh, helping them get to the next level of success. And, you know, I am very proud of the work that my staff does. Um, you know, I've seen every one of them grow since they started with the organization. Yeah. Um, I personally hired, onboarded, and trained every one of them. 
And, um, you know, just seeing them grow has been immensely rewarding. And I'm, I, you know, as a leader, I have always been a fan of not just being concerned with their growth at AASLD, but I also encourage them to get involved in ASAE, to get involved in the broader community um, and engage and grow themselves in that way as well. And I think that's something that every leader should do. Um, because we're not just preparing people to be great employees at our organizations, but, you know, when people um, leave an organization or they they have worked with me in some capacity, I want them to be able to look back and say, you know what, I had a great leader that invested in me as a person. Yeah. Um, and so that's incredibly rewarding for me. And I think the best use of my time. Early in my career um, in, within associations, I was at an event and, and our, our CEO at the time was there as well. And I was walking around um, with him and randomly a person came up to me, you know, shook, shook his hand first and introduced himself to me as, hey, I, I used to work at this organization as well. This is the best leader I've ever met. And I thought that's a really cool legacy, right? There was clearly a separation um, and the, the, the acknowledgement that I think it was 10 years after the fact. He had left this organization. He's still willing to come up and, and say these things. And it was just such a such an accolade, I, I think, mm -hmm. to sort of leave that legacy, if you will. And you're, I, I think you would sort of echo that would be a, a goal of yours as well. And I won't let you brag on you, but I'll brag on you, is that you've also shared with me that on your personal life, um, investing in, in people and friends and maybe family, um, mm -hmm that that's been a, a personal accomplishment or a goal of yours as well, whether it's helping people with resumes or finding careers or just general coaching. And so I, I had shared, I, you know, that's all of that sort of screams servant leadership to me. Is that, is that a word that, that you recognize that you use that you, you know, strive towards? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and I, I think that's it. First of all, thank you for that. Um, I think that is probably one of the best compliments that I've ever received. Um, you know, I think all of us want to um, have a career that builds legacy. Um, I know I certainly do. It's, it's not just about the individual job for me. It's about finding joy in the job. And yeah. um, one of the ways that I find joy is by giving back. Um, that has been the case, as you've mentioned, in my personal life. It is the case in my professional life. And, um, you know, that has been the case and I hope it always will be. Um, I always want to be a person that pays it forward. I've been really, really fortunate to have had some great leaders who have poured into me, um, you know, and, you know, I, I have, you know, my last organization, um, my leader there um, is now CEO of an organization. Um, when we worked together, she was overseeing, you know, the, the membership program, you know, she's sort of the chief. Um, you know, over oversee uh, overseeing membership, and she's now a CEO, and she still pours into me. She still finds time, you know, for coaching and um, and questions that I may have in development. And I think that's what it's all about. So I've had wonderful examples there. I'm standing on the shoulders of some really amazing people, and I hope one day um, that others will say the same about me. I think they say it about you today, Camille, and 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 a lot of the topics we talked about today, I could I could talk all day with you on, and we could go down some of those rabbit holes, and maybe at some point we should. Yeah. Um, as I do at the at the end, as we sort of wrap up, um, I'd love to hear sort of continuing the six degrees of associations. Is there somebody that that you have in mind that um, 
our audience could benefit from hearing too and, and, and interviewing? Yes. Um, I would recommend um, Cleonia Dorsey. Uh, Cleonia is a member of uh, ASAE's uh, Diversity Executive Leadership Program alumni. Um, so she's actually one of my cohort mates. And, um, and Clay is, is the name that she uses for short. Clay okay. um, has just a wonderful um, story, both personally and professionally. And um, I think your listeners would really just love, just love Clay. She's dynamic. And I think she'd be a value add to the podcast. Excellent. I'm excited already. And and we live for good stories, right? That's that's where we learn is we learn from good stories and we get inspired. So thank you for that referral. I look forward to getting connected with Clay and and uh and having her on the show. And and thank you again, Camille, for joining us. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a great day.